<laughs> this is how this is how uh, your favorite deity will sound southern accent whenever you get to wherever you're going. So, uh, I can't believe y'all are here. Somebody's here. So this is a story. I got a story for you guys. Um, a little bit of technical, a little bit of story. I'm gonna pick on Chad. Chad's sitting up front. I'm gonna poke at him just a little bit. I'm uh, because it keeps coming up. I, we got a canoeing crowd. We got a guy that actually builds kayaks. Point you out. <laughs> um, and uh, I'm a consultant. I work North River Geographic Systems. You know, working with data, open source tools. Um, and uh, business supporter QGIS actually tried to support them. I, I used to, in the before times, way back when, which I'll talk about a little bit, I was a business partner with the, uh, the, the big E, the big ESRI, and uh, paid them a lot of money to be a business partner. And what I found now is that I can actually sponsor my favorite pieces of software for way less than I was paying <laughs> to do that. Um, so in the before times, I started a business and was having, you know, just growing pains, learning what to do. And then uh, through roundabout methods, this guy shows up, Michael Turner, and I end up in the Caribbean for a few months uh, on the weirdest project I think I've ever worked on, probably to date. And uh, what we were doing was laying out a 911 proof of concept, essentially laying out a brand new addressing system in an area that didn't have anything. Uh, they had some named roads, nobody really had an address, everything was parcel based. And so I went down, I mean, I know where I live, but do you, do you know where you live? Do you know your address? Do you know? And so we, we, we set that up. And when I went down there, the, the sub, the, the, I was like fourth sub down, I think. And, uh, I start to leave and they go like, Hey, we're going to do this all in open source. And I'm like, what, what, why? And it was post GIS. Um, oh, I said open GIS, open jump. So uh, you've seen open jump probably mentioned randomly. It's still getting released. I think they had a release not that long ago. I occasionally download it because it makes me feel warm and fuzzy. You too should download it and try to use it and you will love QGIS just a little bit more. Um, and actually out of that, actually, now I forgot to put QGIS. That's how I found QGIS because I got down there. I couldn't make a PDF. Uh, open jump doesn't let you print, uh, which is amazing that they still let you print. And, uh, that's how I discovered QGIS. So come back and I start kind of transitioning away from proprietary software into open source. And I was a ESRI trainer. So I started doing, uh, training QGIS stuff because nobody was really doing it. There was, there was one guy, Kurt Menke out in Albuquerque. He wrote a book. He's got discovering QGIS, which many of you have seen. Uh, he was teaching it. I started teaching it and I go to the 2018 Phosphor Gene North America and I meet this guy, Chad, uh, through another associate, Ed. He said, Chad's got a problem. And so we ended up going over, I ended up going over to Chad's shop and they had one or two copies of ArcGIS, maybe ArcView, Arc Editor, something. And it was like a sneaker net. So, so what they were doing is just passing around data, you know, shape files, file geodatabase. It's doable. It's completely doable. People still do it. It still happens. It's not the best way because you happen to lose data occasionally, or maybe you've updated data. Somebody's you're passing around data. What version do I have? 
bad things happen. And so Chad wanted to move away from what they were doing. And, and the quickest, easiest way to do that was going into PostGIS. So we set up a server, loaded it, got everything set up, did some custom scripting, imported a file-based geodatabase. I was so happy. I'm like, man, this thing worked. I've made it. We did three days. We get all their 911 data. It's 911 data. I don't want to screw this up. We get it in. And, uh, we, you know, as I'm sitting here thinking, okay, we're kind of building a base here. We've got a good, solid foundation. We've got data in the database. QGIS is a client. 3.0 or 3.2 had just come out, like that big jump from QGIS 2 to QGIS 3, which if you weren't around for that, there was a major rewrite and it broke a lot of stuff. But the, the foundation they built with 3 is where we're at now. So I'm literally walking out the door and Chad may not remember this. I'm walking out the door and Chad looks at me and says, man, this is amazing. This is great. He's using his Mac. He's doing this. He's got a PC. And uh, how are we going to send this to the state of Tennessee? And I go, send what? He goes, data, we upload data every night uh, to the state of Tennessee. How are we going to do that? And I go, I, I didn't know we did that. What do you mean? I'm, le I'm, le I'm walking out the door leaving. What do you mean? We're gonna do so uh, I had to call the state and go, hey, so I broke Henry County's, uh, according to the way you guys do it with their Ezra Enterprise system, I've probably broken this. And uh, they were... Um, nicer about it than I expected because one of the guys was kind of a closet fan of the open source way of doing things. We talked through it. I ended up finding out there's actually a standard. They, they produced a PDF standard that listed out all the columns, the definitions, the field types, all the stuff. Read back through that and actually luckily kind of got it right um, just doing an import. And uh, so what we ended up building at the very end, we, we were using Fulcrum, which they used to come to this. They're kind of still, they're still around. They're still producing software, but Chad was using that to go out and collect address points. We would filter that through QGIS, check it for quality, shove it into the database. And from there, it was going out to Mango Map. It was going out to the state. Uh, he brought in an intern. He had his boss working. They had three or four people working at once, where before, USB passing it around, everybody's happy. And this pretty much is the way it is. We've got GeoServer installed, but we haven't quite figured out what to do with GeoServer. I've got an idea, and I've had an idea for a few months on what we're going to do next. But anyway, out of all of that, Chad adds more data. They start finding data scattered all about the system. So Chad's got storm shelters, and there's uh, he gets parcel lists, and there's I mean there's town limits. Uh, all this stuff's important for the ESN layers for the addressing system. And suddenly we go from three. We're only supposed to have three layers, but now we have like eighteen or nineteen layers built into this thing. And so they've got a really cost-effective GIS just kind of running, and it's been running now. Fairly idiot proof for five years, hadn't broke yet. Um, so when I sit back and look at this, that's all just kind of getting you to this point. Uh, this is kind of in phases. You know, phase one was make it work. Uh, Chad called me about six months later and said, hey, we bought a new server. And the nice thing with Postgres, you can just back the database up, get a new one installed, shove it over. And uh, and he was worried, like, you know, how long is this going to take? I'm like, I don't know, 15 minutes, maybe. If, what's, the, what's the IP address? Like, just tell me what the IP address is, and it's done. And uh, so I sat on it for a few years because I really didn't know what to do with this thing. Um, 
it worked. I was trying to encourage other counties to go to it. I'm a consultant. That's what I do. I go over like, hey, would you like to pay me money to, you know, come and do stuff? And in the meantime, I started improving it. And then I had this thought one day, you know, sometime in 2020 when we weren't doing a whole lot of anything except sitting around, let's just shove it all into GitHub. And so I did. And I took all the scripts that I had done, shoved it up there. I am not a GitHub rock star by any means or eh, not even that great with SQL, a little bit uh, sort of okay with it, and I just put it all up there. And then uh, this guy, Kyle Snyder, out of nowhere, just emails me. He's like, hey, uh, can I help you work on this? Yeah, help me work on it. I, what do you want to do? And he starts refactoring all the SQL scripts and adding stuff in, making it a little bit better. And then we start testing it. You know, I, I take what he's done, run it. And before it was taking me, you know, a couple of minutes, it sounds like a long time, maybe 10 minutes to run a database, running various scripts. We got it down now to like 30 seconds. We can build a new database, have it stood up and going. And uh, he started doing documentation. We added a wiki to it. I've got to go back and fix some of the stuff in the wiki because that's even been changing a little bit. But it's fairly easy to, let's see, and it's just, you know, SQL code. I've commented some of the code. I probably need to comment more of it. And we run one script, sets everything up. The second script builds all the data layers. The state's even been adding more data layers. They've added three or four more, which follow the NINA standard, the National Emergency Number Association standard. Tennessee's got its own standard, but it's aligning with NINA. So these two things are slowly starting to come together. And uh, one day I get an email from the guy at the state. And he goes, hey, did you see this? And the Nina organization had put what used to be just a PDF document. They've actually built code and put it up in GitHub. And that gives me the Postgres code for the actual Nina standard. So I can now build it. And he asked me to port. We ported Chad's data over. That was a little bit of a... That was a little bit more difficult than I'd planned on because they had built a lot of QAQC checks. When we moved Chad's data over, the state checks so much, and if they don't scream, we don't really fix it. You know, we just kind of keep moving along. It incrementally gets better, but here it had to be right going in, which made me think, why don't I make mine more difficult, follow their QAQC, QAQC steps, and make mine more difficult to get data into? And so now I've been testing it with another county's data. But once it's in, it's clean. It's very, very clean data. It just takes, you know, it may take a couple of hours of uh, adjusting and, and getting stuff set up. Uh, what has also happened in all of this, one county over, so the other county I've been testing, they didn't want to go to a server. They just absolutely don't want to do it. Um, we don't we don't love servers. We don't want to do it. I just want everything sitting here in this file. And so they did it with GeoPackage. You guys have all heard GeoPackage probably mentioned here to death. Uh, QGIS will do forms. So you can set up these trigger-like actions to... Um, you know, to, to imitate like triggers and functions and, and, and posts. And so it works, mm, sort of. <laughs> and, and I'm actually going to talk about this on PostGIS Day. Um, Crunchy Data is doing PostGIS Day, and, and Paul Ramsey emailed me and said, Hey, would you talk about this? I'm like, uh, I can. I guess I can. And, uh, you know, the pros to it is it's a pretty quick setup. Um, there's no database. I mean, you're just, you're running it off one file. It's not like the 
serverless or the, the you know just the streaming stuff we were talking about yesterday it's fairly lightweight it runs pretty quick everything's in one place so we're storing symbology QGZ, the QGZ file everything's going in geopackage uh, the cons on this thing is that there's no database we really need a database geopackage is good database would be a whole lot better an actual you know legit thing um, and it said the forms aren't as functional as triggers and so what we had a problem with the other day with his data if you make one edit and you've got four or five of these default you know uh, calculations built in you make one move four things fire you to move two things eight things fire you move four thousand things and you've got like seven or eight of these things built in it crashed his computer uh, he didn't have enough memory to, to run and so it's it becomes memory intensive so I don't really want to support that so I'm trying to uh, push him away from that but the whole kicker is even with all sign on one data how's it go to the CAD the computer aided disk Dispatch. And um, at one point, Henderson was using Easy 911, Chad's using ID Networks. This is stuff way beyond my pay grade, but there's a whole other software world out there that just handles getting emergency personnel to where you're located. And uh, you can boo this, it's kind of funny, but it's all shapefiles. They, they take shapefiles, that's all they want, that's all they're going to get. Um, so with Chad's data, we run an export every night. And that export creates a geopackage that goes to the state, it creates shapefiles that go to ID networks or set up to go to ID networks. And uh, same thing with the other county. We run a script, produces shapefiles, and goes. And and this was the script that was producing the geopackage. Literally, it's three lines of code, OGR to OGR. So, the script's been running for like five years. I mean, just we had one upgrade because we think we accidentally deleted the install and we had to just go back and reinstall it and change a couple of things. But for five years, this just runs constantly. What, like, what can you do that runs for five years that you haven't? You get an upgrade and it just keeps running. So six lines of code, you do geopackage and shape files. Now, what the funny thing that happened? So I get a phone call six months ago, and it was from the Rapid SOS group. Or let me, it's the other county. I had a three-way call, and they go, hey, and so Rapid SOS and Chad can fill you in. What was the comedian? It was Oh, so uh, now one one could not give you a GPS location on a phone call. You could check in with Facebook and over to his models, and he could say exactly where you were. If you called 911, from this, the phone line could not pass the GPS location monitor where you were at. So 2017, John Oliver, if you want to watch something directly funny, last week tonight, 911. Watch the whole show. That show. Fundamentally, you push the ship because he spotted how not one was scared. Yeah. And so, right next to us came to be that excellent. Everybody phone, phone here is it's at least three years old. Every phone has right next to us built into it. You would know. When you call 911, right next to us fires, it opens every GPS app uh, on your phone, grabs GPS data, and sends it right next to us. When my phone rings, I work out a box on the screen saying, you're going to receive a 911 call. Rapid SOS shows it here. And it's really a feat. So we yeah. had a woman who got kidnapped in Knoxville, put it back in her car. She called 911 for her phone, and they're watching her, got it right down I 40 on her phone. 
Yeah. So, you know, and going, going back to Brian Toomey's talk about, you know, the phone and the GPS location stuff, that's, you know, how this works. And so the interesting thing was when we get the phone call, now I went through the heartache, the state Esri database, I had to call and do a mea culpa. We broke it. I kind of shamed them into using GeoPackage. And the Rapid SOS uses Esri's file-based geodatabase. Again, a proprietary package. But if you follow along with QGIS or anything else, QGIS will now export Esri file-based geodatabase. I don't really recommend working in it. Like, it's one of those things you can do, and I think it's a good pass-through, but it works. And so we were talking, they're like, you gotta, you got to use ESRI software to make this. And so we didn't. <laughs> we did it. We did it in QGIS. I sent it to them, and I'm like, how does this look? And they were like, this is amazing. It's the best Art Pro data thing. I'm like, okay. You didn't, you didn't even know how it was. And so we sent one in, then Chad calls me immediately later and said, hey, this company is calling. They need a file-based geodatabase. So, you know, we could set, the, set this up to run automatically to export. We would then have nine lines of code for this script that runs every night, but it works. It would be really cool if we could stream a service to do this, but this has to be offline. It's got to work if, you know, things go down. you got to have the data has to be ingested into the CAD system, you know, in case things happen. So we cheated. <laughs> we used we used open source software to mimic a file-based geodatabase, and it, it worked. It, it actually came through. And uh, so what does, where does this leave this whole weird project? Like I said, shove it on GitHub. You can go up there and install it. You can go up there and work on it. You can write documentation. You can do stuff. This, like I said, Kyle Snyder's been helping me. Random people have been offering advice. And I really don't know what else to do to it because we're at a point where maybe a QGIS plugin, maybe we build a plugin for this. We actually have a Tennessee addressing plugin. Uh, there were some tricks and stuff that we did in the Caribbean that would work out well for here um, that would work. But the more interesting thing is the NINA 911 standard, the national standard has created PostGIS friendly scripts to do this. So we could pull QGIS now into the national standard to edit, attribute, fix data, and then going back to, I can deliver it with whatever, you know, rapid SOS wants. So it really makes the NINA standard just like we can use all the open source tools to do the work. Um, for the, and, and yeah. 911s are a little bit slow to adapt. They do what they do. I met a lady uh, three years ago, and they were using ArcView 3.2 Excel, and I think it was a Windows 7 laptop, and they carried the laptop home every night because they didn't want to lose it, and that's what they did. And this would be so much better. Like, And eventually, Tennessee will merge with the 911 standard, so what we are doing... Um, you know, will work. And so I'm calling this database 2.0. At some point, I got to upgrade chat system. I keep telling you I want to do it. I haven't gotten to it yet, but, um, you know, you can use it if you're in Tennessee. You can install it and run with it. A lot of states don't have a 911 standard. So you can go to, say, Missouri. Uh, Georgia kind of has one, but it's not centralized. Um, Missouri has nothing. Kentucky sort of has one. Um, yeah, you could use the Tennessee database if you were in a state that didn't do it, or you could use the Nina one now. So you got two options for doing it. Um, you know, and that, that's, uh, I kind of want to start building menus for the national data set. You can build menus in QGIS, just little drop down forms to do addressing. It would be pretty easy to do. 
not difficult at all. So that's kind of it. That's how we're faking. Fa we're, we're, we made it in Henry County. We've got another county doing it. We just got to find somebody else that wants to do it. Maybe we can kind of revolutionize the 911 <laughs> data collection addressing. And what would be really cool, since Eddie's sitting here for crunchy data, is to actually get this into the cloud, sort of. I mean, it, we got to figure out some way to do it. They've still got to have access to data in case an emergency or something else happens. So cloud, like a power cut, we'd have to keep, we'd have to replicate the database or do something. But to get it shoved somewhere kind of out and safe. Uh, I mean, you're not, a you're not in tornado territory, are you? <laughs> yeah, Tennessee. Tennessee is pretty much tornado territory now for the last, yeah. Climate change, we never had a tornado in Tennessee. Like, the, I grew up, we heard about them, and they would tell us, you're never going to have a tornado in Tennessee. And climate change has now brought... Uh, 2011, we had 14 tornadoes. We went from zero to 14 in one day, and it seems like now every spring, every other spring, we have one major tornado event in Chattanooga. And Henry County has, yeah, I mean, even up to December, which you shouldn't be having, you should not have tornadoes in December. So, you know, anyway. The biggest problem with this is that it's not Oh. Oh. The biggest problem with this, and Natalie and, and Stacey can attest this, Tennessee is so entrenched in Esri, and they put that footprint in there in the 911 world, that government people, when you start talking to them about changing to open source, the first thing they say is, well, what about support? We pay for support. We gotta have support, right? We gotta have support. I called Esri support four times, four times frustrated, and I told my boss, I said, listen, if you're basing this off of us buying a, a support package, don't worry about it, because I can call him and speak to him in English better than I can call Esri <laughs> and, and get, you know, and, and just, it was so, that's the, that's the hurdle, is getting these people to understand the, 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 the support package should not be the factor that makes you determine to get this. I mean, it supports the community. And that, that's one of the things, too, like support is community. That's the one cool thing that we have. We're kind of 24-7. So you can, you know, Chad had a problem. We filed a bug report. I filed bug reports before for various things. I hope to file a bug report for PostGIS one day, but we're getting there. But, anywho, yeah. What about next-gen 911? 